I just want to uh, just bring you up to speed with respect to our Easter services. Uh, we're doing something a little different this year. We're having a, uh, a Monday, Thursday service. So the, the Thursday before Good Friday, we're going to have a very uh, intimate, reflective service that will rehearse the events of Jesus in the upper room and moving to the Garden of Gethsemane and to uh, the high priest's court where he, the trial begins overnight, a, 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 an illegal trial by Jewish law. And then Friday, we will, uh, so Thursday evening, we'll celebrate the Lord's table as, as it happened in the original setting. And um, we'll move on to uh, Good Friday morning at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we're, we'll have a service uh, reflecting on what happened on that day. It'd be, it's a great time for people who are maybe wondering what the Christian faith is about to understand what happened on Good Friday, why Jesus died, and the significance of that. And then 10 o'clock Sunday morning, we blow the roof off this place, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and securing our salvation and having victory over death. And, and so I trust that you'll uh, to get to as many of these as possible, and, and uh, you may want to invite a friend to come and share this experience with you. Uh, I had a friend and, um, who had a very large uh, farming dairy operation, and uh, I was really impressed with this because um, he, had, he had automated the whole thing. It was all done by computers. So actually, the cows went in and were milked when they wanted to be, and they, they would, when they felt it was time, they would go in. Uh, a, a computer would would uh, check a chip in their ear, know which cow it was, whether they should be in there, would dispense the right amount of food, w- would clean the udder, would milk the cow, all done. Could, it could be happening at one in the morning, or it could be happening at four in the afternoon, and the cows, it was just amazing. And um, and this this guy had a, a large farming operation. I think it was, he, he worked about 12 or 1,500 acres and so this is, you know, this is uh, big business and, and really, uh, really farming at a level that we never knew before. Um, interesting thing was he, he had to go into the hospital and have a hernia repair. And um, I think on the third day, his wife called in and said, you know, how are you doing? She said, he said, I'm not feeling that great today. So um, she, went, she went over to the hospital and, he, you know, he said, I'm feeling sick. And so he was sick to his stomach, and, and, and she left the room. Well, the, the attendants took care of him and cleaned up stuff. And there was a flurry of activity going on and, uh, and, and people coming and going. And then a doctor came out of the room and said, I'm sorry to tell you, your husband has passed away. And she is obviously just totally shocked and blown away. I mean, this is not you know, some really uh, difficult surgery. And, and she is just, she's just stunned by this, uh, this, this news. And, and um, oh, her mind is now spinning. She's just been told, oh, we're so sorry. We did, we, we've done everything we can to try and revive him, and, and, and we can't do it. He, he died. And... 
my friend's wife was in shock as she tried to process what this meant for her. And, and all, you know, all, all of a sudden, these thoughts go through your mind. What will you do and how will you handle it? They had a son in his 30s, and, and, and he, was, you know, he was conversant with so much of the farm. But, I mean, it wasn't his dad, you know, knowing you know, how much fertilizer to put on at what time and what kind of fertilizer and, and when to sell the crops and, and how much to hold back and how much to sell at this or that time and working with banks and lenders and all the business aspect. And he was learning that, but, but, but they were in a state of shock. Uh, here's a guy who's seemingly healthy and energetic and he's in for, you know, kind of a routine surgery and now he's gone. And that family is thinking like, wow, what do we do now? What do we do now that dad is not there? I, I relied on him, and, and he kind of led us, and yeah, I'm learning, but I'm not ready to go it on my own. And, and, and there was such a sense of fear that overcame them as they thought of, how do you do this now all by ourselves? Perhaps you felt that way. You know, perhaps a loved one or a spouse passed away, and you're thinking to yourself, I, I've never taken care of the bills, and what am I going to do now that that person is gone? I know I had a, a man who was a mentor to me, died just over three years ago, and, and, um, and Dr. Greer was such a godsend to me, and he died of cancer. And I, I just had this sense of, man, I'm going to so miss him when, I'm, when I've got a, a difficult issue I'm dealing with and somebody that I can talk to and can say, all right, yeah, let me, let, let me walk through this with you and help you and, and, and when that person is gone. If you've had an experience like that, perhaps you can understand what the apostles or what the, what the, the disciples were going through when Jesus is telling them, look it, guys, I'm leaving you. I, I'm leaving you, and, and uh, you know, th- this is tough, tough information to kind of fig- figure out. They had followed Jesus. They had given their life to Jesus. They gave up their, their jobs. They left their families. They, they left uh, their, their property, and they followed Jesus around, and, and they figured Jesus was their Messiah, and, and he would do something incredible. And they wanted to be there when he gave leadership to their country, becoming the center of the world, and Jesus being the world leader, and they would be there with him, and sacrificing everything. Then to hear Jesus say, I'm going now, I'm going to leave you, just left them speechless. It was such a daunting thought. And uh, Jesus responds to their despondency with a couple of baffling statements to us. In fact, we'll see that there is the upside of Jesus' departure. Um, And in John 14 and verse 28, Jesus says this, you heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father for my Father is greater than I am. Glad that I'm going away? The only reason we're here, Jesus, is because of you. Now you say you're going away, and you say we should be glad because you're going away. Glad? Are you crazy? There's nothing glad about that. You know, it almost sounds selfish. You're going to leave us, and we should be happy about that. 
Jesus would say in John 16, verses 5 to 7, he said, now, now I'm going to him who sent me. He's going back to the Father. He's going back to heaven. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. Wouldn't we be filled with grief? Uh, but very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. It's good that I'm going away. I mean, that sounds like something I remember um, in the days when you occasionally got a licking when you were bad as a kid. And uh, you, never, you ever hear this? You know, this is for your good. Yeah, right. And it kind of sounds like Jesus. I'm going away. I'm leaving you. But it's for your good. It's, it's for our good. Yeah, I, I'm having trouble pulling that one together. Jesus wanted him to know that actually far from abandoning them, um, he would provide something incredibly astonishing for them. Something, something good and something necessary. He, would said, he said he would send another advocate. And that means that Jesus has been their advocate He's going to be leaving, but he's going to get, send them another advocate. And uh, the Holy Spirit is the advocate. He's our advocate. He's our helper. He's our counselor. Um, this word that's translated advocate or helper or counselor or comforter, it, it, depending on which version you have, it uses a different word. And the reason for that is um, it's, it's not the kind of word that you can easily grasp the meaning through a one-to-one correlation of an English word. Um, <clears throat> the word literally means one called alongside. Um, Jesus said, I, I've been alongside you, I've walked with you, I've led you, I've guided and taught you and all the rest of it. I'm going, but I'm going to send another advocate. I'm going to send another one who will come alongside you and help you. In secular Greek, this term really talked about a legal representative, uh, a lawyer who would defend you, a, a, a witness, someone who come and speak on your behalf a character witness, a counselor, not meaning like camp counselor or, or marriage counselor. This is a counselor. This is, this is a legal counselor, somebody who would come alongside, someone who would represent you, someone who would help you in a difficult situation. I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered, how am I going to live the Christian life? Jesus' standard and his ethic was so high. Jesus, was, Jesus called for us to do things like, well, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. And, and, and his standard was so high. I mean, how will I ever keep that? How will I ever live that? If you've ever wondered how you're going to be able to do it faithfully, how you could live up to everything that Jesus wants of you, there's good news. He has sent a replacement in his absence. He sent another counselor, another advocate, who is the Holy Spirit. And I want to outline for you six things that the Holy Spirit will do who has come and, uh, and how he will be Jesus to us and help us. The first of these is this. He provides the abiding presence of Jesus for us. He provides the abiding presence uh, 
of Jesus for us. When Jesus tells his disciples he's leaving them, he left them reeling. They didn't know what to do. Their hearts are troubled. They're, they're fearful. They're paralyzed by anxiety. What will we do? Jesus is gone. Everything they were doing was because of Jesus and following Jesus and relying on Jesus. And now he says, I'm out of here. I'm going to be leaving you. His presence was everything to them. It was unthinkable that they wouldn't carry on. And they felt abandoned. They felt orphaned. And here's what Jesus says in John 14, verses 15 to 18. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Like my friend thought, what are we going to do? My husband is gone. My dad is gone. We've got this big operation. I I can't handle it on my own. And, and, And this is how these guys are feeling. What are we going to do? Jesus, you're gone. And Jesus said this, I'm going to send you another one of me who will be with you forever. Here's a crucial point. When Jesus left heaven, when Jesus entered our world and became one of us, he became a human being, he limited himself to a time and space situation. Before that, he was... As a spirit being, he, 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 was, he filled the expanse of the universe. There was nothing that he... But when he became one of us, he limited himself to time and space, to being in a certain place. Uh, Jesus would be in one place at one time. And uh, he says, you know, it's for your good that I'm going. You should be glad I'm going because the gift that I'm going to give you will be my surrogate. The gift I give you will be my representative. It will be my presence with you. He has been with you. He's been with you all along. But here's the difference, he says. He's going to be in you. He sent the Spirit to live inside of us. So, and, and, and you'll find in the Bible that the Holy Spirit, one of the, one of the titles for the Holy Spirit is that he's the spirit of Jesus. And he says, what's going to happen? When I go and when I leave you, I'm going to send this other advocate, and he's going to be with you. He has been with you, but he's going to be in you. And he is my spirit, and I will be with you in, in your presence forever. Now, now, here's the thing. You know, God's plan always was this, to be with us. So when God created and put humankind in a garden... He was there with them in the cool of the day. He'd walk with them and talk with them. God had always intended we'd be there. And then what happened? We rebelled against God. And and we were separated from God and and separated from his presence. But he said, look, I want you to build this tabernacle, this place that's going to be the center of your worship. And there's going to be a place in there. It's going to be called the most holy place. And that's going to be where my presence will dwell among you. And years later, they, instead of having this movable tent kind of thing, they built this, this temple. And God's presence would be there. And then Jesus came. And in John 1.14, we, we come to understand that Jesus, the Word, became flesh. 
He became a human being. God the Son became one of us, a human being, and he dwelt among us. He lived among us. His purpose was always to be with us. And now when he's going, he's saying, look, don't worry. I'm going to send you another comforter, another advocate who will be with you and in you forever. How incredible. See, the end of the story, when you get to the very end of the story, it's this, that um, we will, when you read the last two chapters of the Bible, you'll find out that we will be with God forever in his presence, dwelling with him. And Jesus said, in the meantime, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will be with you and in you forever. And, and all of what they were afraid of, what will we do without Jesus? Don't worry. I will be with you. And, and you can understand that I will bring peace for you. Um, we will make, in, in John 14, 23, it says, uh, Jesus says, He and the Father will make our dwelling place among you. And all of those times when, when perhaps you've been afraid and, and you've been shuddering and, and, and you're, you're in a difficult position and you felt all alone and maybe you've even felt abandoned by God, take courage. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to be in you, and he will be with you. And wherever you are and whatever you're facing, Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus to empower you and help you, to come alongside, and it will make all the difference in your life. And you may not have understood that. You may not have known that, that if you're a follower of Christ, you have the spirit of the living God living within you. And tell you that in some of my darkest hours, some of, the, some of the most distressing times, I have had the most beautiful sense of the presence of Jesus in me to bring strength and courage and, um, and uh, comfort for whatever I'm going through. And he is with you forever. Have you experienced that? See, he wants you to experience his presence in you, that when you should be shuddering and and afraid and fearful, there's the sense it's okay. Jesus is with me by his spirit. Well, the second thing he does is he teaches us truth. He teaches us truth. Four times the Holy Spirit in John is called the spirit of truth. He teaches us truth. Um, in, in John 14, in verse 2, 26, it says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. I want you to think about the disciples. Uh, Jesus taught them a lot of stuff, and if you read through the Gospels, and, and you read these interaction with Jesus and his disciples, you'll come to the conclusion that, man, these guys are dense, these guys are not getting it. Jesus teaches something and they're going like, what is he saying? I don't know what he means. What is he saying? And, and so often they're not getting it. And, and so uh, how, how are they going to know what to believe? How are they going to know if Jesus goes what's right and wrong and what's true and what's false and, and all the rest of that? How are they going to get it straight? 
And they felt okay when the teacher was there because they could say, you know, when Jesus would speak in a parable and he'd tell the story and they'd go like, we don't get it. And he would explain it to them. But a lot of things they didn't understand and they're worried, like, what are we going to do? He says, don't worry. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the, the counselor is going to be with you and he's going to teach you all things. You see, when in, in the first four books of the New Testament, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we have really the records of Jesus' life and ministry here. And, um, and the rest of the New Testament largely explains Jesus, why he came, what he's doing, and, and explains his teaching. So it's kind of uh, largely a commentary on what Jesus, who Jesus was, and what he did, and what he said. And, um, uh, you know, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you three, three, uh, free. The Holy Spirit guided them, including the writing of the New Testament. They didn't have a New Testament. There was no, the New Testament didn't come until a few hundred years later. It was all put together. They had, they had different um, uh, books of the Bible, but there was no total collection of it. Don't worry about it. Jesus... The, by the spirit of truth will live in us and he'll give comprehension of truth. Um, we read a passage of scripture in 1 uh, Corinthians 2. And I'm gonna, just going to give you a couple verse, uh, verses out of that. What we receive, the Apostle Paul says, is not the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, who's from God, that we may understand what God has given to us. Say, I don't get it. I don't understand the Bible. Read it. I don't, I don't get it. Well, the Holy Spirit will help us in that way. Um, this is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and can't understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. I had a professor who went and um, he, he took a course uh, at Harvard uh, on the theology of the Apostle Paul, one of the writers who wrote a lot of the New Testament. And this guy was, um, was a Jewish guy. And if you understand the Jewish faith, they don't accept Jesus as their Messiah. So here's a guy who's teaching about something that he doesn't believe and so uh, my friend said to him, uh, can you tell me, do you believe what you're teaching? He said, oh, no, no, I don't. It, it, I mean, he could, he could try and figure out what it's saying and tell other people, but there was no personal understanding or appreciation of it in his own life. And see, this is what God does. This, the things of the Spirit need this Holy Spirit to give us understanding. Without that, uh, we, it doesn't make sense to us. I had a woman um, who, who came to our church. She'd been, uh, been a professor at the university, and um, her daughter was friends with a daughter from our church, and she came out to our church, and um, she made an appointment to come and see her, uh, to, to come and see me, and we talked about spiritual things and, and had a really um, interesting discussion. And she became a follower of Jesus. And she, the one thing that she said, she came, you know, about a week or two after she had made this decision, she said, I can't believe what's happened. I'm reading the Bible, and the stuff is just jumping off the page. She said, now, I've read some of the Bible before. 
It, it meant nothing to me. But she said, when I read it now, man, it's just blowing me away. It's just coming at me. And she understands it in a way she never did. And she's living it and applying it in her life. And so we think about, like, how do I know what to believe? The Spirit will give guidance in knowing what to believe. Uh, He'll teach and guide you in the truth. But there's another thing he'll do next. He'll bring truth to our remembrance, he says. He'll bring truth to our remembrance. In, in John 14, at the, uh, in the end of verse 26, it says this. He will remind you of everything I've said to you. So Jesus had taught his disciples a whole lot of stuff. Um, I don't know about you, but they talk about how much you retain if you go to a lecture. I mean, if, it, if it's just a verbal lecture, you'll retain, you know, that much of it. If you add, you know, some visuals, if there's some experience, you, you know, you learn more. You know, think about these guys, uh, the followers of Jesus— not only have to understand what he said, they have to remember what he said. And how are they going to remember what he said? Um, And how, because they're going to be writing down the things of Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. Don't worry about forgetting this stuff. Because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to bring everything to your remembrance. The earliest written gospels or account of Jesus' life by his followers was in the range of 20 years after he died. The gospel of John, which we're, which we're looking at here, is somewhere probably between 50 and 60 years after Jesus died. Now, I don't know, sometimes I can't remember what I had for breakfast, let alone everything Jesus said 50 or 60 years ago. And, and Jesus said, don't worry about that. My spirit, I'm going to put in you, and he's going to, te- he's going to, bring, to teach you, and he's going to bring everything to your remembrance. Um, so don't, don't worry about that. It's interesting. When they look back, when you read John's gospel from the beginning, in John 2, 17, Jesus had just cleansed the temple. You remember the story where Jesus goes in and they're selling and buying and he said, you turned my house into a house of merchandise. And Jesus, whom people think was kind of a wimp, started turning over tables and took a whip and driving people out of the temple. He didn't want to mess with him. Um, and and uh, here's, here's what... Here's what it says in John 2.17 about this. His, disciple, his disciples remembered... That it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. They remembered some, ah, I get it now. Ah, now I, understand. I remember now what he did. I remember how he quoted the scripture of what he was doing. In John 2, 21, Jesus said that he would destroy, he said this, I'll, des- I'll destroy this temple and I will build it in three days. And they're going, this took 46 years or whatever it was to build. He's going to destroy it and rebuild it in three days. And, and, and listen, Scripture says, but the temple he spoke about was his body. And now all of a sudden, they're remembering back to his teaching and what he said. And now they're, they're connecting it. They're connecting the dots and understood what he was saying and where he was going with that. Now, that's the primary meaning. And that was for the, primarily for the people who would be writing Scripture that we would be receiving. But I'll tell you this. 
the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing Scripture back to your memory as well. Sometimes when you need something, you need, God will give it to you. The Spirit will bring something to your memory. And let me say this, you got to get it in here to remember it. If you've got nothing in there, there's nothing to remember. So take advantage of opportunities to get what God said into you. Um, well, fourthly, what he's going to do, he says, is bear witness to the person of Jesus through us. He's going to bear witness to the person of Jesus through us. Jesus came on a mission. His mission was to take people who had um, have uh, rebelled against God, forgotten about God, don't want anything to do with God, don't know God, and, and Jesus came to show them what God was like and to show them the way to God to be restored in a relationship that had been broken because of our rebellion and our sinfulness. And so um, they're called uh, to bear witness to Jesus along with the Holy Spirit. So these two verses in John 15 say this. When the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. He says, you know, there's a responsibility I have for my followers, and that's this. Some people don't know me. They don't know what I've done. We celebrated communion. We, cel- we were remembering that God the Son came from heaven and laid his life on the line and allowed himself to be battered and, and tortured and hung on a cross to die so that he would take our punishment that, that a holy and righteous God that couldn't turn his back on and, and just neglect our rebelliousness poured out his wrath and judgment on his son so that we could receive uh, forgiveness from him. And he says, now, it's your job to go and let other people know about that. Do you find that a little intimidating? The God's program is for people who've experienced his love and his grace and forgiveness to go and tell other people so that they can know also. And probably a lot of us are a little bit uh, timid about that, and maybe we find it intimidating. Somebody will think we're a Bible basher, or, or uh, somebody will think that we're, we're nuts, or, you know, so, so we can be fearful of that. And what we need to know is the Holy Spirit helps us to be that kind of person and to share who Jesus is and what he's done. You know, there's a, um, there are a couple of verses that give us kind of the, John's whole purpose in writing his gospel. In John 20, in, in verses 30 and 31, it, it says that, that Jesus did these signs, all these miracles and these signs and all, all of what he did, um, so uh, that we might know who he is, that he's the Messiah and he's the Son of God, and that we might, by believing in his name, have life, life everlasting in his name. And so he says, look at this is your job. Uh, you, need to, you need to get out there and, and, and you know, very winsome and beautiful and, and not forceful or arrogant way. Just share with others what he's done. But it wants, he says, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit works to help you be the kind of person whose life lines up with what you believe and also helps you in sharing the good news about Jesus Christ with others. 
Um, you, we say, how can you do that? You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not that competent. I'm, I'm not that knowledgeable. I'm shy. I'm, I'm a little timid about this. Yeah, the Holy Spirit can help you by working in you through your life and through your words to show something about the beauty of Jesus. Um, there's a woman uh, in one of my previous churches um, who had cancer. And she was a kind of person that always wanted to be in the background. Lorraine never pushed herself to the front. She would, you would consider maybe a bit of a, a, a timid person. But deep in her heart, she really wanted to make a difference in other people's lives. She just didn't know how to do it. And here she was with cancer. And she found herself at the cancer clinic on a regular basis and seeing the same woman uh, who was there kind of on her schedule. And they became friends and they talked. And, and, and Lorraine... Um, so felt such a love for this woman and a burden for her, and she wanted to share with her the hope that she has, no matter what happened with the cancer, um, because she knew Jesus, and she knew that there was a future, an eternal future for her. And, and somehow, she kind of swallowed hard and talked a little bit about her faith, and that relationship grew, and they would visit back and forth. And Lorraine had... The, the beautiful privilege of helping this woman come to know Jesus. And she died. She died before Lorraine, and Lorraine was able to go and be at the funeral of her friend and know that she did something that she never figured she could ever do. But the Holy Spirit in her helped her to share in very simple ways, in winsome ways, telling about Jesus and, and Jesus doesn't leave us to do this task on our own. He sends the Holy Spirit to help us. He doesn't just push us out there. He is with us. But there's something else that he does because um, he, he, he doesn't just work in us. He works in other people. And so fifthly, we said here, he convicts people of the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convicts people of the world. Um, in, in, in these verses, I want to read these verses for you. Jesus said this, I tell you, but very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. See, you say, I don't know, it's like I'm not sure I can talk really well, but then I find people can be really resistant. Um, they, they They don't see that they have any need. They don't have any sense that there's anything wrong. They don't think they have a problem. And, and, um, we say, well, how, how do you deal with someone? If, if somebody doesn't think they have a problem, then the, you can't do anything for them. Yeah, well, that's, see, that's not your job. That's something that the Holy Spirit can do. And what he says he would do is, is he would convince them about their state. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit here is kind of like a prosecuting attorney. He's, he's pointing things out in people's lives, inconsistencies, things are wrong, things that are not right, and, and he helps them come to the conclusion, boy, I'm in trouble, and I need, I need help. 
And, and, and so he does, in, in three ways, helps them understand guilt and the precariousness and dangerous position before God that they actually need God's help. He, he looks at three areas. Sin. You know, the word sin actually means to miss the mark. If you can imagine, if we put a bullseye up here, that bullseye would be what God wants for us to, to be and to do. And what, when, when we miss what God wants, that's sin. It's missing the target. It, it's, it's, it's not hitting the target. And, um, and we need to understand that we have sin in our lives that we've rebelled against God, that we've said no to God, that we've done our own thing and done our own, even though we know what God may want, we refuse to do that. And so he comes like this prosecuting attorney and helps us understand that we're guilty and, and that we have no defense before him um, and that we're condemned. And, and secondly, he says about righteousness. Now, Jesus lived a truly righteous life. He never did anything wrong. But people try and make themselves acceptable to God by things they do themselves. And some people think, well, you know, if I take all my bad stuff and I take my good stuff and my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff, then God will think I'm okay and it just doesn't work. So they don't have, he makes us, helps us understand that we don't have that righteousness, that we're so far off base. And the Jesus' light exposes those things in our life. And then there's judgment. Um, in, earlier in this, uh, in this uh, the, the Gospel of John, in, in John 3.18, he says, if you, know, if you don't believe, you're condemned. And, and he says at the end of that chapter, in verse 36, whoever doesn't believe in Jesus, who, who rejects him, is under God's wrath, on trial. I can't, I can't make somebody believe that. Only God can. Only God can do that. And, and he brings a sense of conviction and convincing. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble with God. I, and, and, and I need to do something about that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And um, I told you about that woman, that professor, who came in and, and trusted Christ. I'll never forget, she came in and she, she brought what was her academic life's works, her her dossier of all of her articles, published articles, and all the, that she had done. And, and she claims, which I never said, but she claims that I said she's not a Christian. Now, I don't know who's a Christian. God knows. I didn't say that. She claims I said that. I think it's the Holy Spirit who made her understand she's, she's not right with God. And a beautiful thing was she opened her heart and gave her life to Christ. I can't do that, but the Holy Spirit can. And it was such a beautiful thing to see what happened. Well, there's, there's one last thing, just very quickly. He, prof- he provides further revelation. See, Jesus hadn't taught everything. There was stuff in, in John uh, 16... Um, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear... But when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. Um, He will glorify me because it's from me that he'll receive 
uh, what he will and make uh, what he will make known to you. So he's saying there's stuff that needs to come. There's more things that need to come. Don't worry, I'm going to provide that. And you know what we have? We have a record of it right here in the Bible of things that were to come, including what's going to happen at the very end of the age. And uh, music team, why don't you come up, please? Um, so here we are, saying, how are we going to live the life that God wants us to live, that Jesus wants us to live? I, I don't have the resources to do that. You're right, you don't. But you know who does? Jesus does. And he's given the Holy Spirit, and if you are a believer, he's in you and working in you for his own purpose. And you're not helpless. He is ever-present. He will teach you. He'll bring things to your remembrance. He'll help you in sharing your faith. He'll work to bring a sense of conviction and convincing in people's lives. And uh, he will also uh, tell us and reveal to us about future truth. That's just a little bit of what the Holy Spirit does. And sometime... I'm gonna. I'll give you some more stuff way uh, way down the road. Uh, let's uh, let's sing, please.